We are uh, continuing our study with Elijah this morning. So we'll be in 1 Kings chapter uh, 18. We'll be closing out the end of 1 Kings chapter 18. I think this is class number 5 uh, of this study. So as we've been going pretty much verse by verse through the life of Elijah. And uh, so uh, if you remember last week, we, really, we studied probably that, that story that we all remember Elijah for. right? That he went up on Mount Carmel and he took on those prophets of Baal. That's probably, at least for me, that's the most memorable aspect of the story of Elijah. Uh, and, and as we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, you know, you see in the life of Elijah sort of the ups and downs, right? The ups and downs of his life where, you know, he's, he's got to be on the run, but then something great happens, right? And then he's spiritually low, and then a spiritual high comes. And that's, you know, really how our lives go as well, right? We're, we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. And we notice it more than anything in the life of Elijah, right? He goes and he challenges those 450 prophets of Baal. And uh, remember that you build your altar, I'll build my altar, and we'll have the fire. We'll call on our God uh, to bring down fire upon heaven. And remember the, the prophets of Baal from morning until noon, they just couldn't get it done. And then even into the evening, crying for their God to send down a fire, you know, they, they start cutting themselves uh, just to kind of promote it even more, and nothing was happening. And, uh, you know, remember Elijah kind of mocked them a little bit. Well, where is your God? Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's busy. And, and then, of course, it was Elijah's turn, and he just simply offered this prayer to God, and, uh, and down came fire, right? And do you remember, again, you know, what, what was destroyed, uh, or destroyed, but what, what did the fire consume? Do you remember? It was everything, wasn't it? I mean, it was the altar, it was the wood, it was the sacrifice, it was the, uh, the, the rock, the stone, just everything. The fire from heaven that God sent down just took it all away, right? And it was so much so that everyone who was standing around, uh, they were amazed, right? They got down on their hands. Uh, your God is the God, uh, the true God. And so, as we pointed out last week, despite Elijah being the away team, right, he's in Baal territory. He let them do everything first. You know, all of the, he poured water all over his sacrifice just to make it even harder on himself. You know, in football terms, we said it was first down and 50, you know, because he had all those penalties on him. And still, yet, he won decisively. And, uh, and through that triumph, again, he takes those 450 prophets. They go down to this brook, and uh, he has them, you know, killed, executed for uh, being the false prophets that they were. And so that's where we left off there at, uh, well, I guess at verse 40 in 1 Kings 18. And so that's where we're going to pick up. Um, but I did want to read a passage in the New Testament before we begin. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Uh, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So where does all good things come from? From God, right? From above. All good things come from God. Um, all the things that we enjoy in life come from God. But who do we tend to credit for maybe our own success? Do we sometimes credit ourselves before God? Yeah, and so, um, so really, you know, just kind of going from this, from last class to this class, you know, that, that showdown on Carmel, 
on Mount Carmel occurred, um, you know, for, for the people there to, again, understand just who is behind everything. Uh, in chapter 18, uh, beginning in verse 1, you know, we read this uh, last week, but uh, it's, it talked about there how it said, Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show, your, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Remember, there's this three-year-long drought that has been occurring in the land. Right? And God says, it's time for uh, this drought to be over. But we notice Elijah doesn't announce that at the beginning of the contest that we read last week. But he's going to announce it now, right? Because he wants everyone to understand just who is in control, right? Where this good gift is coming from, uh, if you will, right? It's, it's not from man. It's not from Elijah himself, but uh, it's from God. And so... Um, He's going to tell King Ahab here in a moment as we read these passages. Uh, I can hear rain, right? And I can hear an abundance of rain, so get prepared. And again, when that rain comes, there's going to be no doubt, you know, who's behind it all, right? God is in control of this. And so, again, Elijah coming down from that mountain, or he's still on the mountain, actually, when we begin this text. But again, he's on that spiritual high, isn't he, Uh, that we've been talking about. And as we've been studying his life, uh, you know, what's he about to go into? He's about to go into a spiritual low, isn't he? Because uh, we're going to, we'll notice here in a moment, uh, he just won the showdown. He's uh, rain, this drought's about to end, but it's not going to last long uh, because uh, we're going to talk more about this woman uh, who's uh, Ahab's wife, Queen Jezebel, and just sort of the, the, her attitude towards Elijah and so much so that Elijah is going to ask for his own life. Right? Uh, he's going to ask God to take my life. It is enough, he's going to say. And, you know, was this reaction that he uh, made, was it out of fear? Was it out of frustration? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll notice some things here. So um, those things kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, spiritual crises, spiritual um, successes, Right? Yeah, one day you're on a spiritual high, and the next day you're not. Right? Uh, we see that all the time. And, uh, and Elijah, of course, is just, I mean, he's the perfect example. That's why I often will say, you know, uh, study the Psalms. You know, read a Psalm a day. Because the Psalms, you know, 150 of them, and I know uh, 119 is quite long, so it might take you a little while to get through that one. But the Psalms are like that, right? They're not in some um, direct order. They're just randomly placed in there. But, you know, you'll read one Psalm and it's a very uplifting, encouraging Psalm. And then you'll read the next one and it's a, it's a little bit sadder, right? It's a little bit, uh, there might be some grief in the, the voice of the psalmist who's writing it. And, you know, he, and he's pleading out to God to, to you know, uh, show him mercy or to you know, show him attention. And then maybe the next psalm you read, again, is another you know, psalm of praise. And so, you know, go through the psalms, read a psalm a day, start at, you know, chapter one, and you're going you're gonna to kind of see the ups and the downs uh, that the psalmists have when they read those psalms. And hopefully that'll, you know, help you uh, in your life uh, as well. And so, but getting back to Elijah, right? This, uh, this account here, Eliza, um, that we're going to read today, really the ultimate thing is we're going to learn to you know, trust in God, right? That he has promised to care for us. One of my favorite verses, 1 Peter 5, verse 17, or 7, cast all your anxiety, anxiety on him, right? Because he cares for you, right? 
Just give everything to God. Um, have you ever seen that symbol? Uh, my wife actually bought this to put it out in the back of our van. I never had seen it before until I met a guy at preaching school who had it tattooed on his wrist. But it's, it's four. I thought it was four. I thought it was Viking letters at first. But it's, uh, it's like a G and then a greater than sign and then maybe a mountain and then a, a valley. Have you ever seen that before? I think some people know what I'm talking about. Uh, but... Uh, it stands for, I, think, I believe it stands for, God is greater than you know, the highs and lows. Or God is greater than the mountains and the valleys. Right? Uh, you know, that, that's kind of the emphasis of that uh, really quick symbol. Is that when you look at that, you know, that it reminds you that you know, God is still my God when I'm on a spiritual high. And God is still my God when I'm a, in a spiritual low. Right? When I'm on the mountaintop versus when I'm in the valley. Right? And so uh, that's what we need to remind ourselves as well, you know, constantly, is that uh, when I'm up here, it's not because of my success, but it's because of God who uh, blessed me to be there. And, and when I'm down here, you know, but again, uh, it, it might be my own doing, right? But God still uh, is blessing me and taking care of me, and I need to remember that as well when I'm in the valley. So uh, let's, uh, let's go back to Elijah's life, and we're going to notice as he comes from the mountain to the valley... Um, let's notice uh, here some things. So chapter 18, starting in verse 41. Uh, now Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between uh, his knees. So, uh, you know, I already mentioned back in verse 1 that God had, you know, sent Elijah to uh, go back to uh, Abraham, or excuse me, Abraham, Ahab, and tell him about the, the, the water, the rain that's about to descend. And so uh, Elijah does that, and he says here in verse 41, uh, you better go up and eat and drink, right? This probably, he's telling him, you know, go and celebrate, go take care of yourself for a little bit, because uh, the rain is about to descend, right? It's about to fall, and one of the, the things that we've kind of noticed about King Ahab, even though he was a wicked, wicked king, was um, he kind of followed Elijah, Elijah's instructions quite a bit, didn't he? You know, it's kind of odd. Uh, he, he sought to kill him, but we noticed last week that when Elijah prepared this contest, you know, Ahab says, hey, that sounds good, let's go with it. And now here Elijah's telling him something to do, and he does it again. So it's, it's quite odd, uh, this King Ahab... Uh, that he heeds Elijah's instructions. And so he goes on and he goes and does what Elijah tells him to do, go eat and drink. And Elijah bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Now, what, what, what's the Bible talking about here? What's he doing? Yeah, he's praying, isn't he? He's, he's humbling himself. You know, um, Elijah, and this account is actually mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, in the book of James. Uh, J James is writing about prayer, and he's going to use this as an illustration. And uh, let's, uh, James chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 13. Just wanted to read these verses here. Again, because uh, obviously James uh, thought it was important enough to bring up again. And so he's talking about prayer here. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. says, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone sick? 
among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So, uh, you know, again, the, the, the New Testament writer James here is using this example uh, of prayer to, uh, to tell us about uh, Elijah uh, back here in 1 Kings chapter 18 uh, about how he prayed earnestly, right? about how he humbled himself. Right? This, this was a man who just got done uh, killing those 450 prophets of Baal, right? and now he is humbly bowing with his head between his knees, praying. Right? And so uh, that's, just, that's kind of interesting to think of, isn't it? Uh, of going from this one posture to the other. Uh, but he's submitting himself to God in prayer, humbling himself to God in prayer. And let's, uh, let's notice what happens to this prayer. So verse 43 in 1 Kings 18 says, uh, He said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And so he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, go back seven times. It came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. And in a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. So did God immediately uh, act, react to Elijah's prayer? Elijah offers this prayer, and did it immediately begin to rain? It didn't, did it? And I think that's the point that, that James is trying to get across, is that, you know, that our prayer life needs to be persistent. Right? We just don't uh, pray for something and expect it to happen right there, right? Sometimes we have to pray persistently, and I think that's what James is getting at. And so back here in 1 Kings 18, you know, Elijah offers this prayer. Uh, he tells his servant to go look, right? And how many times did he have to go look? Seven times. Yeah, he goes back seven times to look. And then finally, finally, there's this small cloud the size of a man's fist. Right? That, that comes up out of the sea. And um, if you're seeing that, I mean, what are you thinking? Are you thinking this is going to be a powerful rain or, or, or not? <laughs> yeah, probably not too confident that this is going to be the, you know, maybe the, necessarily the rain that God has promised, right? Uh, we've got a small a cloud as small as a man's hand coming up for the sea. Uh, but he says to Ahab, right? He says, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down. Remember, they're on Mount Carmel. And so, so that the heavy shower does not stop you, right? Um, there's going to be a heavy shower, uh, King, Elijah says to King Ahab. Now, all he's basing that on is this tiny little cloud, 
right? The size of a, of a man's fist. But he tells Ahab to get going, right? So that uh, your, your chariot's not going to uh, get stuck. And Ahab again heeds the warning. He, he does what Elijah instructs him. And he rides off to Jezreel. And then we notice there in verse 46 that it says that uh, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. So I just wanted to point this out before we move on. But uh, most commentators say this is about 17 miles in distance from you know, Mount Carmel to Jezreel. And a, a, what's, what mode of transportation is Elijah using? His feet, right? He's running. And Ahab's in a chariot. Yet we're told that uh, Elijah is going to outpace him, right? And he's going to get there uh, before, um, before Ahab does. And so, um, but the point of this passage, right? The point of this, again, it's the, the prayer that, uh, that, that's being made here, right? Uh, that, that Elijah is reinforcing the need for persistence in prayer. And again, that's James point as well, is that although God had revealed the drought would end, Elijah, you know, prayed for such continually until it happened, right? He didn't just offer that one prayer, uh, but, you know, they went back seven times, right, to to make sure that it was going to happen. And uh, again, you know, in the New Testament, is that not what we're taught as well, is to be persistent in our prayer life? I mean, what what does Jesus say? We need to, you know, knock... Seek and ask, right? A continual thing. Or um, oh, uh, Luke 18, verse 1, where Jesus said that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Right? And that, that again, I think, that, I think that's the point here, is that we need to be continual in our prayer life, right? That we have that similar approach that Elijah had. And that's why James is using him as a great example. Now, um, that's something that he continued to pray for. What, what's something that you and I, you know, just throwing this out here, you and I, uh, we know God has promised us, but we continue to pray for it anyways. I mean, does anything just come off the top of your head? Sorry? Okay, a home in heaven, right? God had promised us the home in heaven, right, for the faithful. But do we still pray for that? We do, don't we? It's not just a, we read about it once and so we, we don't even think about it anymore. You know, we, we continually pray for that. Uh, you know, the one that I thought of was, and we often will pray this, you know, especially when a tragedy happens, is we'll say, Lord, come quickly. Right? Um, we know that Jesus is going to return one day. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's going to return in the air. Uh, with his mighty angels, you know, there would be the sound of the, the great trumpet, and you know, the, the dead in Christ are going to rise first and meet him in the air, and then those, and then the Christians who are on the earth will uh, will rise with him as well, and then you know, it's on to heaven, right? And so, um, that's a prayer that you know I know that we sometimes pray here, and I pray as well. Hopefully, you pray as well too. You know, Jesus, Lord Jesus, come quickly, right? Um, we. I mean, do we? Sorry. All right. Continue to pray for those obstacles, to the strength to endure. You know, uh, our many blessings. Right. I mean, how many times do we continue to um, pray for those? Uh, 
you know, if somebody does a good deed for me, uh, I might write them a thank you card, right? And, and then I'm done with it, right? Uh, somebody, you know, helps me change my tire, I might write them a thank you card. And I just, and that's a one-time thing, right? In my mind, it's a one-time thing. And so I'm going to write them a thank you card and thank you, right? But with, you know, things like redemption or, um, you know, spiritual inheritance, all of these blessings that God has afforded us, uh, does God expect us just to write a, a thank you card one time and just be done with it? No, it's a, it's a thing that we constantly do, right? We're, we're constantly being thankful of that. So, again, Elijah continues in prayer until, again, the, that, that cloud rises up for that rain that he knows it's coming, right? Because God had told him that it's going to happen. But we notice it didn't just take one prayer. It took uh, seven times to go back and check. And so, um, so let's move on. I know we're getting short on time. Uh, let's get into chapter 19 here. So chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 1. Now we're going to uh, meet the, the woman Jezebel. And so verse 1, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. So we've been talking about Ahab a lot, you know, and it kind of seems that, you know, he uh, lacks courage a little bit, King Ahab, right? Um, you know, he did, back in chapter 18, verse 17, that we saw a couple of weeks ago, he did actually speak and say uh, to Elijah, aren't you the troubler of Israel? Right? But Ahab really doesn't speak at all in these passages. We don't see him speaking at all. Um, but again, here, you know, you kind of get the idea of Ahab is, uh, there, there's something here with Ahab, right? That, that uh, either he knows what he's doing is wrong, and he knows that he should be following God, uh, but he, he doesn't. Or, or maybe he's simply a coward, uh, again, we don't, we don't know specifically here, uh, but, uh, but we notice that, he, you know, he, again, he always is doing what Elijah tells him to do. He's always either on the sidelines, uh, sitting there quietly watching, uh, but now we get to, Je- to Jezebel, and uh, she's a whole different story, isn't she? So uh, how does Jezebel react to Elijah, I and mean, what does she do that we just read? Yeah, she's threatened to take his life, didn't she? I mean, if, uh, you know, if Ahab's the king, right? Ahab's the military leader, but uh, he doesn't necessarily have uh, the... the, the uh, he, he's not going to do anything about it, as we see here. It's Jezebel who, who threatens his life. She's the one who's saying, listen, Elijah, you know, uh, I'm putting a hit out on you, right? You're, you're going to die. I'm going to execute you. And so did... Did Elijah take her seriously? He did, didn't he? Because he got out of town, right? He fled. Um, he arose and ran for his life, went to Beersheba. Uh, my translation, the ESB, emphasized that he was afraid. I think the New King James or the King James uh, doesn't necessarily use the word afraid. But again, it says in my mine in verse 3, it says, and he was afraid or literally, um, or he saw, I guess, 
is another translation. But he was afraid and arose and ran for his life. And, you know, he probably understands the, the depths of what's going on here because this is a person that has executed prophets in the past, right? Is Elijah a prophet? Of course, right? And, and she has had a prophets in the past executed. And so uh, he gets out of town. He has no reason to doubt her threat. And really what we see from her is, you know, she, um, she uh, has that fierceness, really that Ahab lacks. Right? And, uh, and she's ready to go to battle. But it appears Elijah, you know, Elijah's burnt out at this point, isn't he? Um, he is, again, as we just talked, he was on that spiritual high, and now he's on that spiritual low. And so he gets out of town. He chooses to run. Look at verse 4. Uh, but he himself, w- okay, so again, back to verse 3, says that they came to Beersheba. He dropped off his servant. And then verse 4 says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and uh, he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. So Elijah, again, he takes that threat seriously. He gets out of town, and you know he comes under this juniper tree, a broom tree. Uh, your translation might say, and he prays to God, It is enough. Lord, take my life. Has he had enough? Is he burnt out at this point? It's kind of the impression that we get, isn't it? Um, but as we're going to see in the next lesson next week, God's not through with them. And, uh, but think of this, right? The, here, here we have a prophet of God, you know, a man of God, uh, a man who God has blessed over you know, these first four, cha- or four lessons that we've seen. And he, too, became discouraged. Um, do we get discouraged doing the Lord's work sometimes? Yes. We do, don't we? Um, have we seen God in moments uh, bring us through some of those trying times? I mean, you're having one of those spiritual lows. And, I mean, you get a card. You get a phone call. You get encouraged. Or, you know, you witness six baptisms or something like that that we saw the other day. And it pumps you up, doesn't it? And you always wonder, right, is this God's hand? Is God providing this, right? And so um, I know we have about five minutes left. Um, but we're going to notice a few things uh, today and next week about how God is getting Elijah back on track. So let's read, let's read the following uh, verses. So uh, starting in verse 5. So... Elijah, he lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. And so he arose, ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and 40 nights to Horab, the mountain of God. And then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the son, sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 
So Elijah's in a lot of misery, right? Uh, he's under this juniper tree. Um, what specifically did you notice happened there that is going to uh, break Elijah's menace, misery? Did you notice anything? I thought there were quite a few. Okay, so there's the angel, right? There, he's alone, isn't he? And now there's an angel uh, next to him. And again, we don't get all the dialogue that goes on, but uh, there is an aspect to this that, you know, he's getting some, um, you know, association here, right? Uh, he's not alone is the point I'm trying to make, right? I mean, that's, that's you know, as Sheila pointed out, that that's one good thing to, you know, break somebody out of their depression, their misery that Elijah's going through is go and visit them, right? They, they, they need a visit. And so there's one. So that's, that's a good one. See any other ones? What's the first one there in verse five? It's right at the beginning. He slept, didn't he? He took a nap. Sometimes when uh, uh, things are going tough, do we just need to take a nap sometimes? Help refresh us? You know, uh, I mean, that, I think that's another one of these, right? It's just clear as day uh, that points out, you know, he, he just needed to maybe take a nap, right? I mean, he was so tired from that spiritual high of taking on those prophets of Baal, and he probably hasn't slept in a while. He just needed a nap, right? And so uh, he, he, took his, he took a nap. Uh, we noticed that, Again, th that he got company from the angel. Um, what was the other? What 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 did the angel uh, have him to do? Nourished. Nourished him, right? Um, do we sometimes get uh, what's the word? Hangry or, or hung hungry and angry? You know, or hungry and depressed? Right? Sometimes we just need to eat something, right? And so uh, we notice not just once but twice uh, the angel. Uh, kind of point, taps him on the shoulder and says, you know, eat this meal, right? Th this is going to help you. And, uh, and so this, is, this, is, this too is going to help Elijah break this depression that he's going through, right? Uh, he's getting a visit. Uh, he's getting nourished. Uh, he, he took his nap there. And then probably, well, this will be t more towards next class, but you saw in verse 9 and 10, he comes to a cave and he lodges there and the word of the Lord came to him. Right? And so really the point that we want to make there is, you know, he got into God's word. Uh, now, now you and I go into God's word through the scriptures. God directly spoke to him in that passage. But you and I get into God's word right, by reading the scriptures. Right? Another great way to break that cycle to, uh, when we're feeling uh, down and depressed. When we're, again, was Elijah being sarcastic? Was he truly asking God to end his life? You know, I don't know if we can necessarily answer that, but I mean, he was down. He was depressed. And God is going to strengthen him. And we'll see more about that next week when we continue reading here. Uh, but again, so it says in verse 8, so uh, he eats and drinks. That second time, he gets that strength for that 40 days and 40 nights to Horab, the mountain of God. Uh, we also know this as Mount Sinai, right? So a pretty, pretty famous mountain. Uh, where this uh, communication is going to take place with God. And so we'll drop it. We'll leave it at that. We'll pick up there uh, next week because I believe we're done. And uh, I think I have the closing prayer. So let's go ahead and bow.